I should probably start by asking, how is the uh, 16-inch? <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good in the way that a Mac should be good, which is I don't think about the machine that much. They weren't fooling around, were they? It continues to amaze me. I was talking to Daryl last week. I've been doing a little bit of gaming with it in boot camp. Um, I'm not like a massive gamer, but um, I started with some Counter-Strike and then I did a bit of like Halo, but these are all like really old games, really. I imagine most laptops could run it. And then I installed uh, the latest Doom and it got about 40 frames a second. I was like, oh, damn it. This is it. The MacBooks, uh, it's met its match now. And it turned out it was just using OpenGL instead of Vulkan, which is like the sort of like director metal rendering engine, I think. Yeah, I thought metal and Vulkan were like two peas of the same pod or whatever. Like metal is Apple's version of Vulkan and Apple's not going to support Vulkan. But then it sounds like, well, I guess you were using Windows at that point. So yeah, in, in bootcamp, yeah, um, in Windows 10. And I think, yeah, I, I read into it briefly and my understanding is Vulkan is kind of a derivative of some sort of like direct-to-metal technology that AMD started a few years ago. Okay. So I think you're right in that sort of, you know, piece from the same pod. But yeah, switch Doom over to that and then all of a sudden it's getting like 140 frames a second. Everything's set to ultra, maximum, you know, whatever you can set it to, just put it to the maximum. So it seems it hasn't been beaten yet. <laughs> I'm trying to find a game now that like could actually beat it. Yeah, that's good to hear. I I haven't uh, willingly like carved up my uh, hard drive partition yet for it, but I imagine eventually I will because I was using my iMac, which is a 2011. Um, I was using that with bootcamp for the like random twice a year deciding I want to get into PC gaming and then <laughs> and then uh, messing around with settings for two months and deciding never mind. Uh, I was using the <laughs> iMac for that, but obviously that was starting to meet its match. Yeah, I suppose it would do that with that age. What what GPU did you go for? Did you go for the fifty five hundred? Uh, yeah, I have the most upgraded one on the on this twenty sixteen or uh, sixteen inch. So you went, you went for the eight gig? Yes. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I do a lot of like motion graphic stuff, or did a lot of motion graphic stuff, um, and some of that being three D. And so, it, man, do you, can you hear that banging on your end? Uh, slightly. Yeah. Doesn't matter though. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Uh, good luck with the edit <laughs> on this one. Um, but uh, but no. Oh, whenever I'm doing like motion graphic stuff, I can I can eat into that uh, video card memory pretty quickly with like textures and stuff. So right, okay. So I've run into that before uh, with my four gig that I had on my on my iMac. Um, so I I think I haven't like really pushed it super hard on that end yet, but uh, I can easily imagine a scenario where I will. I'm starting to regret carving up my hard drive the way I did. Actually, now you mention it with with bootcamp because I just thought I'm not I'm not going to do much gaming. I'll just I'll give Windows two fifty six and I'll have seven sixty eight ish whatever uh, left for macOS. And I didn't realize how big games were. Uh, like Doom was 65 gig, I think it was. Yeah, I remember because I gave myself like, I don't know, like 50 gigs. It was probably a little more than that, but it was basically nothing on my uh, iMac. And so I could basically have one like modern game or Visual Studio if I was wanting to play around with uh, Windows development. <laughs> and I could not have both. <laughs> and I remember once uh, I had like, it was like Just Cause two or three i don't remember which one there was a there was an update that all it did was added uh japanese localization but that included japanese uh, audio files and apparently with video games all the audio is uncompressed because it's a lot faster 
to play. And so despite the fact that I wasn't running in Japanese, you don't have a choice. Like it downloaded all these Japanese localization uh, audio file assets and it added like 20 gigs or some, some crazy amount that of course I didn't have room for. And I was like, what in the world? Like, this is awful. I think I'm going to have to go down the road of maybe like a USB-C SSD or, or something like that. Cause I looked at my C drive on windows and I think it's got like seven gig left. Uh, so, so, so something, something's got to give. So yeah, that's, I figure like, I don't, can you run windows off of a S, SSD through USB-C like easily enough? Oh, I don't know. I seem to remember John Syracuse talking about this, something to do with the T2 chip. Oh, uh, even on windows? I don't. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I'm not entirely sure, but I think there might be something out there that mm. might yeah. So you might have to have a minimum of space for the actual OS. Yeah, my plan at the minute was just to cuz all the games I play are through Steam, so I can just tell Steam to put them on the I don't know, the F drive or, or whatever I call right. it. Right. Um keep all the games on there and just keep the OS. Maybe just one or two games on the actual um you know, the SSD of the MacBook. Um but yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I, I honestly didn't think I'd really get into gaming again. And then I got this MacBook and uh, yeah, I've been doing quite a bit of it. <laughs> yeah, that was what the Switch was like for me and my wife uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah? Yeah, it just it just sucked us right back in. I mean, it helps that, I mean, it's the form factor because after having kids, you know, when are you going to play games? But then what better way is there to sort of uh, drown in your sorrow when you're trying to keep your kids busy at the playground? Well, not at the playground, but, you know, outside <laughs> in the basement, whatever, where you're just not feeling like being active, but uh, you can play it, you know, in your lap without putting it on the TV where they just instantly go zombie and stop playing, which is not what you want. So that the form factor itself was really cool. And then, you know, it helps that like that first year they had just a hit after hit after hit. So that really sucked us back into that world. Yeah, I do like the Switch. I like that it's not necessarily the most powerful thing, but it's just like the execution of it, I think it's just been so good. And not um, having, you know, uh, like you buy a game, you put it in, and then waiting two hours for it to download from the internet and then run all the updates, and then an update corrupts your save file somehow, and it seems like I've run into none of those problems. And maybe those are problems that, you know, aren't really a big deal on the other platforms anymore, but... Uh, my brief foray into like the Xbox One was <laughs> extremely uh, frustrating to the point where I just sold it and got a really? Wii U and Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, I've totally missed out on that whole generation, like PS4, Xbox One. Um, I, I don't even know if I'll get the new ones. I guess I might do. Um, I feel now in a strange way that really like the, the kids might dictate that kind of stuff now as opposed to as opposed to me like if they obviously as they get older get into nintendo stuff then i guess we'll just get the switch um yeah that's a good point i'm quite happy just uh with, with uh, a bit of pc gaming at the minute but who knows things can change eh yeah yes they can uh, quickly you you put out a tweet speaking of kids the other day about how <laughs> your kids have stopped napping and that put the fear of god into me i'm just yeah. thinking like what am i going to do when that happens yeah like, that's that's kind of like when i do my development stuff and like if i don't have that then what do I do? Just not sleep? That's uh, that's pretty much the situation, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's it's rough, especially whenever you know you're sort of wrapping up your identity in that a little bit. Uh, it is. They're not kidding. Whenever you're about to have kids, and they're like, 
you know, you are giving your life to them to a degree. Uh, cause there is definitely truth to that. And I have to actively remind myself that that was a decision I made and I should live <laughs> with it. Uh, I, you know, I mean, obviously they're fun. Like there's plenty of good things, but, uh, the timing of, you know, side projects becoming a real hit for me in a way that they were always just a fun thing that I could turn off and it not be a big deal. That timing with them getting older and sort of not having those strings and naps has been an interesting thing to manage. Uh, <laughs> uh, how, how do you manage it? Uh, are, are you still working that out? Yeah, yeah, still working that out. I mean, you know, you just, you just get used to it. I, the thing that's like... I've gotten used to the naps not being there. Like you had mentioned that and I was kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember, you know, and this was only a couple months ago, but I remember like having that, you know, however many hour nap time where you could just get so much done because the thing like before having kids, that's weird. That happens after you have kids is that you're like a million times more productive during those, uh, during those little bits because you know how precious those hours are, I guess. Um, or at least that's what happened to me. So yeah, it wasn't that long ago that I had those little like one to two hour nap times that were just like amazing productivity hits. Um, but those are just completely gone now. I don't have that at all. And then the evenings, you know, once they go down, those were really good or helpful or useful, but you're also a little more tired at that point. But now like yeah. we're just going through some struggles with some of them actually sleeping, uh, <laughs> staying in their beds. And so a lot of times they're awake until like me and my wife's bedtime. And that is like, it shouldn't be that big of a deal because it's not like they're out there playing with us. It's just that they're constantly coming out or talking to us or asking for water, you know, that kind of thing. But it really yeah. makes it impossible to get into that sort of flow state where you're just kind of rocking and getting a whole lot done. And then, and then that mentally gets you so riled up and frustrated that whenever you do have time, you kind of have that like tightness in your neck. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they're just going to pop out any second and then they don't for an hour. And you're like, I didn't get anything done in that hour. Cause I was so stressed out about them coming out. So yeah, all that to say, uh, <laughs> I'm still working it out. <laughs> Honestly, it's like you're living in my head. Everything you just said, uh, <laughs> like t- today I've generally got it time now so that they can nap for about a couple of hours. Um, both of them at the same time. Yeah. I, I think there was like some noise, like the house creaked. And I was like, oh my God, what is it? And I thought it was like one of the doors opening. I was like, oh no, it's all over. This is today gone. This is like today's one opportunity gone. Um, and it put me on edge for like half an hour. Yeah. And of course it was nothing. It was just like the house creaking because it's like windy outside or something. But just the, the way it disrupted my, just my, my thoughts and everything. I was just like on edge, like just sat there like, oh no, oh no, oh no. It was all fine. I could have just gotten on, but it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's funny because like m- my wife generally is way better than me about this, but both of us on different days are more like that. And then the other one, it's, it seems like they alternate. So one of us is like, you know, Oh, totally fine. The kid comes out four times and you can just get right back into it. And you know, you're just like plugging away. But if you're the person that's on edge and your partner is the one who's like, this is not a big deal. Why are you freaking out about it? It like makes you even more angry. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's just like (laughs) humans are, uh, weird creatures i guess (laughs) yeah i i've got to figure something out because nap time is eventually gonna gonna end and i need to be ready for that and i'm just so not ready for that is what i've come to come to learn yeah i think the Uh, thing with kids that uh i've (laughs) i say figured out i've uh continually learned and then forgotten and learned and forgotten is that systems don't work 
because uh, they change so rapidly. Like me and my wife are like systems people. Like, okay, we have a problem. We sit down, we think about it, we come up with some sort of system, and now that problem is fixed and we move on to something else because that new system will just solve that. And kids, like, that might work for a week, and the next week, <laughs> everything's different. Everything's totally different. The thing that worked to get them to, to go to sleep is just completely shattered or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so even whenever something works now, we're just like, well, that worked tonight, but what about tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? And, you know, you might go three months and be like, you finally start uh, letting your guard down and then everything changes again. <laughs> so uh, I guess the moral of that story is, uh, it, I guess it goes both ways too. And this is what, like, my mom is good about constantly reminding me of this. She'll remind me of the thing that I was complaining about two months ago. That's no longer a problem. But I've obviously forgotten about that problem because I'm focused on the new one. But yeah, so everything yeah. comes in waves, both good and bad, I guess. Yeah, I think I might just start getting up earlier. I think if um, nap time ceases to be a thing, because uh, I think about like, the last few hours of the day, they're generally not that productive because A, you're tired and then if I'm not sort of doing any sort of side project stuff, I'm generally just sort of wasting time usually, either playing a silly game or just watching nonsense on the TV. So I wonder, am I better off going to bed earlier and then getting up, say, 5 a.m., something like that? That's definitely when that's definitely when I'm the most productive. But uh, one of my kids has started getting up at like 5, 5.30 every morning. So Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You can't win. No, no. Uh, it, the struggle is real right now. <laughs> oh man, do I um, do I dare mention WWDC, dude? Well, so I, I told you this. Uh, whenever you were, whenever you were texting me, I mean, I'm, we're sitting here complaining about our kids uh, while your co-host is recovering from a concussion. So I guess obviously things could definitely be worse. Um, but whenever you thank you for stepping in, by the way, <laughs> I really appreciate that. Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, but I, you had mentioned a couple things we could talk about, and I was like, I was like, can I just, can I just cry on your shoulder for a little bit? Uh, <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been having kind of a rough go uh, with all these, all these cancellations, and th this was supposed to be like my year of travel, uh, literally for for my birthday. Uh, I got, I got travel luggage, like, you know, with the four spinning wheels, like the fancy one, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, because yeah. I had so many trips planned for this year, WWDC being the biggest one that I was most excited about. But, um, it's so a couple of them are already canceled. WWDC is at least at the time of this recording, not officially canceled, but I mean, let's be honest, it's officially canceled. It's good yeah, it's as good as gone, isn't it? There's no chance because Santa Clara County has already declared like, no company should be hosting big events, which was basically them saying, hey, uh, Apple, uh, why don't you not do that, uh, please? Uh, I was supposed to go out to, to California. I was flying out to San Francisco at the end of April uh, for, for a wedding, which is technically still on, but I'm not sure what to expect about that now, too. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I've been in kind of a rough spot. Like, I'll get myself, you know, okay. Like, it's all going to be fine. You know, this is just the kind of stuff that happens. Come up with something new to get excited about. And then somebody will mention something or it doesn't help that I'm doing a podcast where I'm interviewing people about how their apps came about. And half of them are like, oh, yeah, I met this person at WWDC and that sprung a friendship that then turned into this app, which just gets me all sad again. Uh <laughs> yeah. It's got me thinking, though, like about what is what is the value of the actual conference itself? You know, the, the ticket 
go into WWDC itself. And I, I think it's much more about the surrounding events now. And like you say, meeting people. I think because the conference material now is available online to such a high quality, you know, the way it's subtitled, it's really accessible. It's, it's sometimes streamed live, if not live, very, very soon after. So I don't know that I'd actually go to WWDC itself, but I would love to just be in town for the week. Yeah, that was like, I would have loved to have gotten a ticket obviously you didn't get to experience it but i was planning on going no matter what because this is sort of my like breakout event finally get to meet all these people in this community that i've kind of become friends with over this last year um and that that's the thing that was the big deal and talking to other people that seems to be the thing that they really come out of this uh with which is like all these different people that they meet that are interested in the same things and uh, partnerships that become helpful, you know what I mean? Whether it's you actually work together on an app or you just have new followers on Twitter that you can, when you're having a problem and tweeting about it, somebody else can engage and kind of help you out because they've had that same problem. Like that kind of networking is, it's really hard to get if you're not in one of these tech sectors and you're not surrounded by other people and involved in the same technologies. And so being able to make those online um, through it face-to-face interactions is like, invaluable it's funny i was looking at um flights for me to get out there i bet they're cheaper now yeah they are cheaper now uh i i did the whole google thing like google flights and for me to go from heathrow direct to san jose return is 348 pounds so i guess what's that 400 and something dollars holy cow (laughs) and it came up actually google made a point of coming up saying this flight is 396 pounds cheaper than usual (laughs) (laughs) so it's like less than half the price uh which is yeah it's crazy to think about what you know what it's doing to the like the airline sector and everything yeah Um, yeah because i was just trying to roughly work out if i didn't go to the conference but i just sort of you know turned up for the week and just loitered um what what would it what would it likely cost um i mean i guess a hotel in san jose what's the going rate for one of those you know sort of like 200 a night oh no i think it's a lot more than that um, really? Uh, well, I could, you know what? I don't know. I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was more than that. I, maybe I was thinking of the whole week. In my head, it was higher than that. Yeah, I mean, like they complain about it a lot on ATP. Surprise. Uh, but like, <laughs> I say that I, I absolutely adore ATP. That was just tongue in cheek. Uh, but <laughs> but the way they were talking about it, it's like expected to be, you know, a three or four or five thousand dollar trip. Um to be out there for a week and hanging out with people and stuff. Now that's yeah. obviously uh, domestic flights. I remember Casey was saying something about like when it was in San Francisco, he was like, Oh, do I get an Apple watch? Do I not get an Apple watch? And someone said to him like a hotel room per night is an Apple watch. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's why blues. where I was getting that. It seemed like it was higher. Yeah. And I imagine like San Jose is going to, I think like the first year it was quite cheap, wasn't it? Because like, San Jose perhaps didn't quite adjust to the fact that WWDC was happening. And then the second year, it got expensive. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Do you think there's any chance of an ARM transition this year? The way we were all kind of thinking the ARM transition would go would be some sort of announcement with maybe some sort of developer hardware or, you know, your iPad is your developer hardware or whatever, you know, your magical version of this is. Uh, and then next year would be when things actually like new hardware actually comes out that that requires it or that that supports it 
And so I wouldn't think this would necessarily impact that because it's, well, I don't know. I, I'm definitely not the right person, nor am I in the right headspace to really uh, actively be able to like project that because in my head, I'm just thinking software, but obviously hardware is just as much of a component of this. And like, you know, how much harder is it for the guys that are developing chips right now, if they're not getting shipments of whatever from their partners in China or whoever, wherever their partners are, you know what I mean? Like how much of, how much of the development of these pieces of hardware require, uh, international, communications and stuff like that not just over phone but like physical goods i and i don't really yeah. know like i could i could easily mm. see that it's impacting them obviously on the software side it's a little bit easier like working from home is just do you have a laptop and a vpn it feels like this is the year that we should perhaps get the talk from apple similar to when they went from uh, power pc to intel and i guess it would have been nice if wwdc was like properly attended but yeah like you say it could still could still be yeah. a thing <laughs> right they just like do a a streamed keynote and just talk about it there i don't really feel like the physical presence is as important for their messaging as it is like getting people excited you know what i mean like in terms of their messaging i feel like they are they've gotten very good at doing that remote anyway like because it's not just it's not just you know what they say but the amount of infrastructure built around them by others, whether that's uh, podcasters who are like helping promote the stuff that they're promoting on the like consumer side or um, uh, like hacking with Swift and Swift by Sundale and all like this huge market of people who take the documentation and uh, ideas on the coding side and like help push that out to developers, you know what I mean? And designers, that all that mm-hmm. infrastructure is is already designed for like remote uh work so like you could imagine honestly it could be more effective for them to push new apis if they worked more closely or maybe even flew in you know just like paul hudson and swift and <laughs> i call them swift by sunday <laughs> that's his full name uh and like if they actually brought those people in whether physically or not and just use them as a megaphone to talk to these big audiences of developers. Like you'd think they could get those points across just as well as they always have. Cause I think that's where at this point, the higher percentage of people in the world building, uh, Apple software aren't at WWDC physically. Anyway, I think what, what WWDC gives them in terms of the physical, uh, location, not only is it people clapping, you know, in that excitement, but I really think that like people leave <laughs> WWDC and, the energy that they got from that event propels them to make stuff and form new partnerships that also causes them to make stuff. And that sort of thing is a lot more. It's like, uh, what is that? It's like city planning uh, collision. They're causing high collisions among iOS or Mac developers. And so by creating all those collisions and, and just enclosing people in this small space and having all these events and all this excitement going on, uh, that causes a huge like flush of new development people using new APIs just because they're excited again, not because of the actual movement of information from Apple to developers, but the actual just like vibe of excitement gets everybody going. I think it sounds silly, but I don't even go, but you kind of almost can feel that energy in a way, just like you see like Twitter light up and everyone's together and you see people posting photos of 
someone that they know on Twitter, but they've met in person, and it'd be a shame to not have that this year. I like honestly that WWDC last year, me sitting at home working on this random white noise app that was just a learning project for me. That is when I like feel like I joined the iOS community. It wasn't in January whenever I switched to doing iOS development and started learning all this stuff. It was during WWDC. And that was just because Twitter was so lit up. And when I just happened to post yeah. something, not even related to a new API, I just happened to post like frustrated with XYZ design problem I'm having. I just got all these replies from people and like I was, you know, I had like 70 followers or something, right? Like I've never gotten anything like that before, but because of that, it started like snowballing from there. And it it honestly just wouldn't have happened to the same degree had it not been for WWDC. Maybe it would have eventually at a longer term or, you know, you can't project the future, but like that's the type of energy and excitement that I think, uh, I think if they're trying to make this a remote version of WWDC, Everybody keeps talking about like they should focus on like how do they, how are they going to do the labs and all that and I think the labs is something that has to be limited in scope to who can access it right just by the nature of how many Apple engineers there are but how can you generate this amount of buzz and excitement uh, in the community without everybody being there physically and that is something I think they could do but I, I don't know what that would be yeah yeah you've got me <laughs> I've got I've got nothing. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot wow. and uh, not really saying anything of substance. I'm just like processing. <laughs> it's all good. Do you want to talk about uh, launched a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was interesting watching you launch launched. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've typed that and felt silly every time I've typed it. <laughs> uh, it's because um, I guess you kind of did the same with launched as you did with dark noise because it seemed like a lot of it was done in in public and i guess that's kind of almost like your brand in a way now you just sort of do everything in public and that in itself creates a buzz yeah that that was definitely something that i probably would not have done if it wasn't for sort of accidentally doing that with dark noise and i definitely feel like that is that is my internet brand is guy who doesn't know what he's doing uh publicly (laughs) talks about everything and then the whole internet teaches him how to do said thing in public and then that accidentally generates a bunch of hype (laughs) uh i did like your um your images is it the tim cook drawing on an ipad oh yeah Uh, i was so excited about that and uh uh for those of you who don't know like last year in march uh instead of doing an event apple just like did press releases but then they did one every single morning and the first morning was the ipad mini right yep and so they like tim cook tweeted just a picture of him holding the ipad mini and i think he wrote hello on there um yeah because it got pencil support didn't it yeah and then the next day which nobody was expecting this obviously but then the next day they t- he tweeted the same exact picture, but it had AirPods uh, photoshopped onto it and, a, and an AirPod photoshopped into his ear. And uh, <laughs> and then they kept doing that every day as sort of this like every day we were all like, what's going to happen? What are they going to drop around, you know, 10 o'clock uh, or what noon? No, whatever time uh, Pacific time. And so I was kind of that was sort of an inspiration for what I was doing. And so I was like, I'm going to tease this by uh, posting this picture of Tim Cook with I think I had the airplane photoshopped into the iPad mini and I don't think anybody got it until like the next day when I think I had to explain it. <laughs> well, when I first saw it, when you posted, you posted it on the Monday, didn't you? Uh, yeah. 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 And when, when you first did that, I think you'd already 
posted the first episode? Yeah, I think I did it right after I posted the first episode. Right, yeah. And I remember seeing the Tim Cook image. I was like, hang on. He's surely not got five in the can ready to go. <laughs> okay, drop one every so day it, week. Did, it did uh, at least put that idea in your head. Yeah, and then you started dropping them every day. I was like, oh my God, he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, make, that makes me very happy to hear. Because <laughs> I, I felt so... <laughs> like, you have no idea. Like, okay, I got to interview Mike Hurley, who does like a whole bunch of podcasts I listen to. And I was ridiculously excited that i got to talk to him and yet the thing that i was the most excited about leading up to the launch was getting to post this photoshop picture of tim cook because i thought everybody <laughs> was going to think it's amazing and hilarious and then it got like crickets or i think no i think somebody responded and they're like did you interview tim cook and i was like ah oh, that's the wrong ah uh. uh, like <laughs> well now no matter what i say it's going to be disappointing <laughs> how did you get guests like mike hurley did you just straight up just ask him uh yeah i mean like so it's funny like leading up to doing this uh i was really paranoid that i just wasn't going to be able to get enough guests so i like dm'd a decent amount of people to be like hey i'm working on this would you be interested in at some point becoming a guest or whatever um and a lot of people said yes and this is like friends in the ios community who i was kind of hoping you know i had a good chance of getting but i also like tweeted a couple or, or emailed a couple like bigger people thinking you know if they don't respond at all and i think i said this in their emails like don't feel any pressure to even respond i understand you're busy that kind of thing um but mike was one who was like oh this sounds really cool yeah you know if i can make it work in my schedule i'd, I'd really like to do that um and then i think james thompson like i had, whenever i tweeted about the project in the first place i said hey anybody you guys would like me to try and get as a guest and somebody just tagged him like oh it'd be cool if you got james and i I didn't have any contact or correspondence with James before. And he just responded, Oh, this sounds really cool. Yeah. I'd love to. And I was like, you know, I was walking into the, my kid's daycare whenever I got that, uh, tweet and I looked at my watch and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I was kind of like shaking, trying not to just look at my phone and like trying to be interested in the drawing that my kids made that day. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different ways. I, uh, different people came on, but the general vibe seems to be, if you're if you're being respectful to people, uh, a lot of people in the community like to come on and talk about the stuff they're making. It's something that we've toyed with on this show a little bit, doing guests, but it's really difficult with yes. the time zones because it basically means Dave and I have got about an hour per week where kind of our schedules allow us to do the certain day of the week. And then on that day of the week, we've got a one hour window. And it's super hard to get guests. Um, we managed it with Heidi and Ish. That was um, quite a feat of logistics because Ish being in LA and Heidi in Australia, Dave in New Zealand, myself in the UK, like if you were to draw lines across the globe <laughs> <laughs> for the Skype conversations, us, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty good going. But yeah, no, I, I take my hat off to you what you've done to it. It's a, it's a great show. I, as soon as I heard your intro music, I felt like a really big sense of relief because it's like, oh, he's, he's nailed the audio quality. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, that, that, that was great. And it's just, just good to hear new voices because I get a little bit, I think in the last six months to a year, I've just been getting a little bit jaded with the whole sort of podcast Apple tech bubble. Um, and it's kind of the same voices appearing on just each other's shows and you kind of get recycled opinions being put around on different shows. And it was just great to hear something new. 
what's interesting as well is how you were willing to share your stats so openly because that's um that's that's kind of like a I don't know it always feels like you should never ask that of someone's podcast it's almost like it's rude almost like asking what someone's salary is it's kind of like I don't know what it's like in the US but in the UK here it's like oh you should never ask that oh yeah that's the, that's like that here too oh okay fine <laughs> Yeah, because you kind of see people sometimes like sharing graphs of sales and this and that, but they always cut out the y-axis. Right. You can't actually tell. You can just see the deltas, basically. Yeah, so I can tell you've doubled your sales, but did you have like one sale before and now it's two? Or was it a thousand and now it's two thousand? It's, yeah, it's um, it's cool to see you doing that. Uh, I mean, do you, do you ever get any pushback on that? when Because you, you do it a lot for um, dark noise as well, right? Yeah, it's one of those things. This was a big inspiration from jordan morgan who was actually on the the podcast a couple episodes ago um because he did that when spend stack came out which was like um pretty quickly after wwdc i was getting pretty close to my launch and it was just it was so helpful to see somebody just like lay out exactly what their numbers were and it's like it's not that i'm expecting to have exactly the same numbers right but it Mm. it gives me something right something to hold on to to be like uh what type of thing could you expect? What kind of downloads and sales and all this stuff? And the more people do that, the the more tangible something you have to hold on to. Um, because like big companies, obviously, they have all this data internal in the company, so they like know what to work with. But if you're an independent, this is probably the case in any in any market. If you're independent, you all you really have is you and like the friends that you make uh, in terms of what sort of numbers to hold on to. But I think the fact that I did it right at the beginning helps uh, in terms of pushback because I think it is a really tricky thing to do and not come across as either braggy or complainy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's always the thing that I'm like super paranoid about. Um, And it helps that like, because I've done it from the beginning, I, I feel like it's more like I'm, taking people on this same, this sort of journey. And like, I tried to make a really conscious effort to post, uh, whenever like the sales drop off happened, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just saying like, Oh, you know, I got a feature today. Look, my sales doubled. Look at how amazing I am. But I wanted to be like, Hey, also, you know, this is going to drop down to this like base level. And I've heard millions of people say that on podcasts that that's what's going to happen. But I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just saying whenever things went well, but also saying if something goes poorly. Yeah, I remember, um, I mean, this is going back some years now, but uh, Marco Arment, I think, wrote a blog post about his first year of Overcast in what he made. And I seem to recall a lot of people, like just like reading comments on Twitter at the time, a lot of people were like really quite bitter about it. And, you know, actually, when you think about it, that's an incredible contribution to sort of make to the to the community. Because like you say, if, you, if you're a newcomer coming at this, how, how would you know what to expect? Um, so... Yeah, I think it's great that you've done it. Um, it's if it helps one person, I think it's, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I can understand, and this is the thing I was paranoid about, right? Is I can understand the argument that like you're giving this false impression in people's minds. Like Dark Noise did, I think, a lot better than most apps uh, do whenever they they launch, paid up front, out of nowhere, without marketing or anything like that, and. A lot of that's luck. I like to think some of that is specific choices I made, but you know, who knows? But like, there was that part of me that's like, I don't want to give the impression that like, if you launch an app and do all these things, then this is the type of numbers you're going to get. Like, cause I can see, and I can see that with Marco too, right? Like he's a 
really smart business guy. He also had a reputation beforehand that kind of led into this. And so I can understand where people would be coming from if they get annoyed because they're like, hey, you're like giving a bad impression. But I'm in the same boat that you just said. Like, I think it's a contribution. And I, I don't actually remember seeing that post anywhere. But knowing Marco, I'm sure there's lots of context in there explaining, you know, what he thinks went into that or whatever. And I think that's all important. I, yeah, I don't know why people would be bitter about it. I guess it's kind of like you can imagine like if someone's really struggling, um, perhaps with their app and financially, and then they see someone post like, hey, I got featured today. And then you can see how many apps they downloaded and you know that their app costs three ninety nine. You quickly do the math in your head and it's quite easy to become bitter. But I, yeah. think, I think you kind of have to look a bit beyond that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, it's fantastic. I hope like whenever I can, uh, hope I can do the same when it comes to, to having a go at relaunching the app I'm working on now. Um, yeah, I feel I feel compelled to sort of make that contribution myself. I think what you guys do on this show is absolutely in the same vein. Like, uh, specifically the last, I don't know, like whatever this, this sort of uh, arc that uh, Dave's been on with changing the business model of uh, GoVJ. GoVJ, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how cathartic it is to listen to somebody talk through that and how helpful it is right i don't think most people like talking about that kind of stuff because it's embarrassing or whatever and 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 same with you with with cody and like you're sort of uh shutting down your business so to speak for a little while like those are the types of things that hearing people talk through that is incredibly helpful at least to me uh just because it, people say these things a lot, like, oh, if you do this, this is what happens, or I've heard of this happening to this person. But because you guys are sort of talking about it live, and like, I'm hearing exactly what Dave thought was going to happen, and then the realization that, oh, actually, the the search ads kind of came into play here, and I didn't realize that. Like, these are all things that all of us go through, but usually you get the postmortem that sort of has the human story that you've told yourself uh put on it but because we're hearing you guys do it live every week it's incredibly helpful or at least to me anyway oh i'm glad to hear that (laughs) for sure but i think there's definitely uh there's definitely an appetite for kind of that that realness um because the blog post i wrote sort of outlining what went wrong with my business and why i was shutting it down and what i was planning to do next I mean, I avoided writing that for a long time. I didn't even really want to talk about it on the show, but I kind of felt like I had to because otherwise I'm like, what am I doing? I'm turning up every week talking like I'm an iOS developer, but I actually shut my business down. I couldn't really, <laughs> couldn't really not talk about it and address it. But yeah, when I wrote that blog post, that got that got a lot of traction quite quickly. So that to me kind of indicates that people, people do want to kind of hear this kind of stuff, not just to read about people's misfortune. It's just that perhaps they can relate to it and they, it, it can help them. So I seem to remember when we started this show, we both, if you listen to the really early episodes, I I can hear it. I don't know if you or other people can hear it, not knowing us very well. We definitely kind of put on a show. It kind of felt like we were putting on a front. And I think as we got further into the show, things got, we allowed ourselves to be more real. But that took a long time because again, it's it's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? If you're kind of putting yourself out there because you've released stats about the podcast and Dark Noise and they've been favorable stats but like you say you, you show the flip side too like when when it you know you get it goes up and it goes down but i think if you're also showing if it hadn't gone well and you'd shared that that would still be just as valuable yeah if not um, more so because yeah. less people are doing it so yeah i think it's 
yeah i think i think it's great what you've done um with the podcast with the sharing with everything um i hope you, i really hope you keep, keep at it because it's uh i'm a little bit behind i must admit with the with the show but it's it's one of my favorites so please 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 keep making it <laughs> <laughs> i plan on it uh yeah it was sort of uh fortuitous i guess that i started this uh this year and then wwdc gets canceled because it has allowed me uh and I've gotten to do like podcasts with, with you guys and a couple other people. Um, but doing the show has let me just sort of like trick people into having, uh, you know, hour long conversations. And some people have like talked to me for a little bit afterwards. And it's just like, this is the type of stuff that I was hoping to get out of WWDC. So, so at least I have that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see on dub dub. I think, won't we? Um, yeah. I'd like to think that, yeah, some, something good will come of it. Um, I say it's, it's a bad situation. I mean, the situation is far worse than us not getting to go to WWDC. Really, is what I have to keep reminding myself. Um, yeah, yeah. The situation at large is far worse than 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 what we're talking about here. But I I, I do hope that you know some good can come out of it somehow. Yeah, I. That's definitely the feeling I've had from the beginning. Is that like flip flop of well, it could obviously like, this is not the biggest deal of this whole thing, but it's, it's one that affects me so personally, so immediately, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear people's thoughts on how, what they can do for an online version of this to try and keep that energy up. Cause I don't know, everybody keeps focusing on the labs and I just don't, maybe it's cause I've never been to one. Right. But like, I feel like the thing that as a remote person, uh, I feel like I would miss with the physical events not happening, even if I'm not there. It's just the amount of energy that the whole community has at that period of time. And maybe if they do exact everything exactly as they normally do, it's just online only. Maybe that energy will be there. But part of me suspects that a lot of that comes from that physicalness. All the live events, you know, live podcasts and all that. You know, you hope that at least Apple executives are going on, you know, the talk show and that kind of stuff still. But... Yeah, who knows? Because I mean, imagine what they could do if they divert that attention towards something else. Yeah, I'm honestly out of ideas. Yeah, <laughs> that's, all, that's what they could do. Um, yeah, I feel like with the labs, I would feel like a total imposter going into a lab anyway. Almost like I'm not enough of a developer to demand the attention of an Apple engineer. Um, so for me, the labs aren't the thing. But it's, it's just everyone coming together in town. Even though I'm not there, I still, like you say, you still feel that energy through Twitter and through the podcast, through the live shows. And if that's not there, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. And maybe like everybody was talking about uh, too, like oh, they don't need to like wait on releasing uh, the talks now, right? Like you know, some people were saying like oh, it's kind of annoying because like if you wanted to implement X feature, but the talk on that feature wasn't until Thursday or something, that's kind of annoying. And now they can drop them all at once. But I'm wondering like I almost feel like they should do a drip through the through the week. Honestly, what if like well, I don't know. I feel like the keynote itself is is a big part like that all that energy. But it would be cool if there was still a way for them to sort of slowly drip news throughout the week so that everybody each day is talking about the same thing that they're excited about. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like instead of the one keynote where all the big announcements are all dropped at the same time, what if you separated that and you still had a keynote or maybe you had a keynote every morning, you know what I mean? Like a 30 minute, like Nintendo direct style thing instead, but it was every morning and each one was like, 
uh, you know, now here's all the new animojis and here's all the new watch faces. And then the next day you learn about the other thing. And that kind of keeps this, the community all just talking and vibing on the same thing that they're excited about each day. Well, if you see a picture of Tim Cook with an iPad mini appear on Twitter on the Monday of WWDC. <laughs> I, I, you know what? All I want is for him to stand on stage and have, you know, the giant Apple watch uh, with the launch logo on there. That's... <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> well it's probably um probably a good place to leave it isn't it i guess you've got to uh you've got to run oh yeah yep i need to go pick up my kids cool all right i will let you go thank you so much for um helping us out we really appreciate no, it no thank you for uh, being my uh my therapist for the day <laughs> <laughs> and the audience i guess <laughs> 